We're going to go inside him. We're going to go outside him. Inside him, outside him. And we're going to get him on the run. Once we're going to keep him on the run. And not going to pass until the defense comes up too close. But don't forget, man, we're going to get him on the run. We're going to go, 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 go. And we're not going to stop until we get across that goal line. And don't forget, man, today's the day. We're going to win. They can't lick us, and that's how it goes. The first platoon men go in there and fight, 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 fight. What do you say, man? This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Week three. We got through the scary, scary Ball State Cardinals. It's your host, Nick, here with Steve and our neighbor to the north, also Chase Playpool's neighbor, Dylan. We will be uh, joined by Joe at some point during the evening, much, much closer to 12-0. That is my statement. I'll, let, I'll open the floor. Right. So, well, that, that wasn't much analysis, but I think it was perfect at the same time. <laughs> there's, no, there's not a lot to say. It was, it was a really bad performance. Bad. Um, you know, they weren't, I don't think they were great against Michigan, but I think it was excusable. So the fact that they weren't, uh, or they were kind of getting pushed around against Ball State was a little scary. Um, play calling was pretty bad. Uh, although I'll give a shout out to a neutral party that I saw. I think they got a YouTube channel and a podcast. They're called SEC fans. Sounds super neutral. Huh. They do cover well, effective that they're not Notre Dame fans. <laughs> okay. Uh, they took a, they took a look at it. Uh, the, they, they were previewing the Vanderbilt game. And uh, one of the arguments was there's some programs when they're kind of getting to that elite status, they'll take a cupcake game and just focus on things that they're not good at. Um, and which West would have been Wimbush throwing the ball. Um, and that would kind of explain some of the play calling. Uh, I don't know if that's the, if that's the case exactly, but I, I do think it kind of touches on this bigger thing of Notre Dame fans overreacting. I mean, I saw some crazy tweets during the game as if we had just lost to them despite being, um, I think really the worst performance was our fan base on the night, um, but it didn't look good. I mean, Wimbush threw three picks. Uh, the O-line didn't, didn't play well. Kelly didn't make the good calls. Um, but at the end of the day, you get the win. We're going to move on. Ball State is a game we're going to forget come week eight. Um, and let's just, let's just hope we fix the stuff for Vanderbilt. Steve. Yeah. Um, if going into this game that you, if you would have told me, Brandon Wimbush, fifty-six percent passing, uh, basically three hundred yards, I would have said sign me up. But it's it's some of the, you know, obviously he threw three interceptions, he was sacked four times, and he really didn't scramble, which I think gives um, a little bit of credibility to that argument uh, that that Dylan was presenting. Uh, that you know he was trying to to me it, it, you know I, we came to the same conclusion pre-show which was basically uh, Wimbush seemed like he you know he's a natural runner we all know that we, we he's one of the, probably the most athletic quarterback in college um, if not he's definitely like top ten we know he can he can put up 150 yards with his feet. And he just seemed like, you know, he was moving around in the backfield uh, and a few times getting chased around and getting taking these massive losses. But it looked like he didn't want to move forward past the line of scrimmage. He wanted to uh, wait that extra second, see if a receiver opened up, which I I, I appreciate. And, I, I you know, it seems like he was almost trying to build some highlight tape for the NFL scouting combine, to be honest. Um, that to prove that he could be a pocket passer. And, and I love that, you know, I, I love that he's trying to make those improvements. And, and if, if they are in fact, you know, taking this cupcake team, quote unquote cupcake team and trying to work on some things that, 
you know, they feel uh, a little bit lax and then, yeah, absolutely take that chance. But at a certain point, you know, you got to beat ball state by 21 points. You have to, you cannot beat them by eight points and then have that on your resume. If you're 11 and one fighting for a college football playoff spot, which we're going to touch on later in the show, but uh, Brandon three, 297 yards. I love it. Um, having zero yards in the last nine minutes and 30 seconds of that game. He did not have a single passing yard in the last nine minutes and 30 seconds up by eight. Like the, we, we, this team has had this problem for a very long time, even back to the Charlie Weiss years, even Tyrone Willingham, as far as I, I recall watching as a fan, we have never had the eye of the tiger. We've never gone out and closed football games. It has not happened. Happened one year in 2012. Um, yeah, got, I got to give credit to the defense. They were very resilient all night, but what an abysmal effort, all, all things considered. This should have been a three-touchdown win minimum. I mean, we were 30-point favorites. I Again, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate Wimbush putting on a passing display because I think, for, by and large, he uh, took leaps and bounds in terms of the passing game, still made a few mistakes, but holy crap. Put the game away. And just one point, really, to go off of that, one pat or one sack he took really stood out to me. The pocket collapsed on him, and he stood right dead center like a statue. And I was a quarterback co- coach for a brief time back when I coached high school football. You don't do that. <laughs> if um, you see the pocket collapsing, you better get the hell out of there and well, try to make it. Yes and no, and I, I liked that he was standing tall into the pocket and trying to hold on to it just that one extra second because sometimes that one second is all you need for a guy to take three or four strides and break off from a receiver. Uh, and and really, a lot of the time, you'll see that's the difference between you know a Tom Brady and a Marcus freaking Mariota at the next level. But at However, the same time, you're looking at the pocket, and the one example that I'm thinking of it wasn't, oh, let me wait one more second and maybe a guy will get open. You had the defensive tackle's neck on his friggin' helmet, and he's just standing there like, oh, well, I'm, I'm fucked yeah. now. That, that mean, was it. it. It's one of those things where it was smart for him to take the sack, but at the same time, be an athlete. You're yeah, an athlete. no, absolutely. Friggin ball. Absolutely. He, you're, you're, again, you're the best athlete on the team. Prove it. So that's, that's the one thing that really stood out to me. Uh, Ian Book. Again, I think there was a stat until the missed field goal. Five out of the last six times he touched the ball, Notre Dame scored, uh, which is just outrageous. Uh, Ian Book. Uh, he had nothing on those plays. He's just handed it off. It doesn't matter, Dylan. He's a proficient scorer. He is in the game to score. Uh, so going on to that, uh, just a couple four stars, four horsemen uh, for the game. For me, I have one. It's my friend Chris. Uh, no Notre Dame players are my horsemen of the week. Uh, <laughs> my friend Chris, when uh, Ball State was driving, he uh, he FaceTimed me, and he said, are you okay? And I said, no, I, I am not. I'm stressed out. They're going to lose this freaking game to Ball State. Uh, and he stayed with me on the phone for the last five minutes of the game. Uh, so my horseman of the week goes out to Chris. Uh, we will either be FaceTiming again this week, or I'll be in contact with him again, uh, as he seems to be my uh, security blanket 
so I don't have a panic attack like we mentioned in week one. No? Um, you only have one. Yes. Okay. Just, just one? Okay. I'll give you four because I'll play the game. Um, I'm going to go with our fourth horseman, Jafar Armstrong. Um, he did. He was kind of doing two things that game. So I got some stats here. He had 13 carries for 66 yards. He averaged uh, 5.1, and he got a touchdown. Also, he caught three receptions for 61 yards. So I thought that was pretty impressive. He was kind of doing multiple things in the game. Um, that's that's pretty good to see from your from your back. Oh, Boykin, um, I thought he kind of went off today. Uh, he had six receptions for 119 yards. That's 19.8 yards per reception. But I will tell you what, and I was saying this during the game, the defense was really good again. This is a top-notch defense. I, I call it stout. That's what I yell when I'm on my couch. Like my, not like the head coach, but like sitting on my sofa. Uh, so the second star is Jalen Elliott. What a game he had. Um, I know we were all kind of wondering how consistent he'd be this year. But, I mean, he's got a murder last year, last week, and he's got two picks this week. So someone, you know, might want to keep him from the law. The eye test, he was the one that stuck out to me. But he also passes the statistics, uh, 14 tackles, one sack, and three for a loss. I thought he's a beast. I saw a stat on Twitter saying he's on pace for, like, 20 more tackles than Manti Teo did in his should-have-won Heisman year. So, yeah, keep an eye on Coney. So, yeah, just recap. I got Armstrong four, Boykin three. Elliot, the murderer, number two, and then Tavon Coney, number one. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 down this week. I'm I'm feeling blue. Um, I'm I'm more in line with uh, with Patty on this one. Um, I'll give you two offense: Boykin, defense: Coney. Uh, Boykin played grown man football, uh, even on a play where he was interfered with pass interference, still hung tight. Uh, took a screen that looked. Like it was, I think it was like you know, like twenty-seven yards or some shit. You know, I don't know, something like that. Um, and then Coney, you know, he's just sideline to sideline, dominating the game. Uh, I think he'll end up being the the MVP of our of our team on the season. Um, I think he's obviously we know on on offense, Wimbush is the difference maker, and and he's going to ultimately be the uh, you know the feast or famine type of production guy that's going to determine whether or not we can win a lot of games, but on, on the defensive side of the football, holy crap, Tavon Coney is incredible. And uh, one more for me, I know, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I only gave Chris my horseman of the week, but uh, Sebo Fulmister, uh, he's electric. He's going to be a very good running back. Uh, reminiscent, he's he's a big running back, almost a Jerome Bettis type. Uh, it reminds I, me of Jonas Gray. That was the other name I was just going to hit. Uh, Jonas Gray, the three touchdown game for the Patriots in the NFL of recent memory, but he's definitely a Jonas Gray type back. I'm really excited to get him in the backfield, especially with Jafar Armstrong doing that kind of, not to hearken to USC, but the Lundell White, Reggie Bush, Thunder and Lightning. Uh, that, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, so really those are our three, four, two, however many we gave. Uh, but going from there, uh, some interesting notes about the schedule that we uh, we saw for the year uh, or for the upcoming games. Vanderbilt uh, put a beating on Nevada, 41-10. Wake Forest beat Towson, those powerhouse Towson Tigers, uh, 51-20. They played BC, which is a very interesting game. I know, Dylan, you, you, um, you're saying BC is vastly underrated. Yep, um, they are. 
I'm high on the Eagles. Um, I, I think that's their name, the Eagles. Yes. That's still irrelevant there to me. Um, but their efficiency stats, which ESPN posts, is insane. Yeah, they've been really good. Um, I had them in my top 25 last week, and I have them a little bit higher, if not the same, this week as kind of Arizona State kicked in there. But BC is putting up good offensive numbers, good defensive numbers. Um, that'll be a tough game. If- BC definitely is an underrated team. I think they'll be undefeated. Um, at least for the next couple of weeks. Going into ACC play, it's going to be tough, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to watching them. They also have one of the most underrated bars ever. It's called Marianne's. It does not have any windows. They only serve chips. And I had the most fun in my life at Marianne's. Marianne's sponsor us. Uh, moving forward, Stanford beat USC 17-3. to They play UC Davis. Uh, Vatech, William & Mary. Uh, they play ECU. Pitt lost to Penn State. Pitt does not look good. Uh, James Conner, however, does. Shout out to the Steelers. Let's go. Navy beat Memphis 22-21. Navy is a weird team this year. Uh, Northwestern lost to Duke, who is another legit team, 21-7. They play Akron. Florida State beat Samford after trailing. Uh, for two. That was, that was really bad. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be interesting for Florida State. Uh, Syracuse is the real deal. They beat Widener 62 to 10. Uh, Syracuse and Florida State are going into a gutter war. Maybe the game of the week. Um, hesitant to call that, but uh, then you also have USC and Texas uh, next week. Very interested. Uh, Dylan, you said before the show, uh, two overrated teams, two overrated fan bases. Hmm. But at the same time, we we need USC to win this game, uh, just to help our strength schedule out towards Is end. Texas back? Never. They're they're never coming back. There's some. There's some. I put out a list on Twitter of teams that have fallen off the face of the earth: Texas, Nebraska, Florida, Florida State, Tennessee. Get out of the conversation. I'm sick of you. You suck every year. Yeah, I mean that. I I've spot on. I I can't not agree with that. Uh, Now, just, you know, moving forward from there, uh, I would love to see a Texas win, especially for Chris, but um, he's a Texas Notre Dame fan. Don't just don't ask, but um, they're, they're not going to win. I need a USC win as much as it pains me to say it is Uh, by the way, is that game in LA or is it in Austin? I think it's in LA because they played in Austin last year. It was that, uh, it was the same week Notre Dame played BC. Uh, so I believe it is in LA. I'll check on that right now. Feeling better about JT Daniels at home. Yeah. Oh, he like broke his hand or something weird happened to him uh, in that game. So USC and Texas, I just checked. Uh, they are actually playing in Austin uh, at the DKR. So they played at USC last year during the week of the BC game. Uh, that was a barn burner. JT Daniel going on the road. As a true freshman, as a sheesh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and moving forward, we kind of are doing this topic of the week now where we come up with a hypothetical. Uh, this week, kind of down, as we all said. But uh, we're going to go through the college football playoff. Two questions. Who do we want if Notre Dame is to be one of the four teams? Who do we want to be the other three? And who do we realistically think are going to make the college football playoff? As of uh, today, um, I'll start off with what I think is going to happen, which means nothing because this is college football. Um, 
but yeah, we'll start off with that, and then I'll kind of get into like an ideal scenario who I'd like to play and who I think would be a good matchup. Um, but realistically, number one, um, I have Alabama going twelve and one. Uh, keep that in mind that I have with one loss but finishing first, because second I got Notre Dame twelve and zero, and I think a, a one loss Alabama schedule is actually better than undefeated Notre Dame schedule. That's how good their their look is shaping up there with LSU, Auburn, uh, likely Georgia. Uh, as our schedule is getting a little iffy, right? USC lost again, or for the first time, but first of many, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, third, I got. Uh, I was debating this because Oklahoma lost the running back, but I like the Sooners. I got them 12 and one. Um, who knows there? That could be a Big Ten team. And then fourth, I got Clemson. Uh, I feel like they're going to lose to drop someone uh, along the way because that's what they seem to do. Um, but they're a good team. I mean, best defensive line in the country, maybe the best defense. In the- best defense in the country, we are saying there. Yeah. yeah. How about uh, you, Mr. Boner Goku? Let's uh, let's hear your final four. All right. So I would say Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson. And I think the Pac-12 and the Big 12, they get left out. Interesting. Steve? As it stands now, um, Alabama, SEC champion. Clemson, ACC champion. Ohio State, Big Ten champion. And Oklahoma, Big 12 champion. Those are your first four in. Uh, Notre Dame and Washington are on the outside looking in. Interesting. Uh, again, Alabama's our consensus. Until someone beats them, Alabama's the way to go there. Uh, I do agree with uh, Clemson as well. Uh, Notre Dame definitely being uh, three or four, kind of on the fence about that. And going against all of you, Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy is real deal. He's going to beat Oklahoma. He's going to beat TCU. He's going to beat Baylor. Every team, they're going to run the table. They're going to win the Big Twelve, and they'll be the one of the four teams. If if we're looking for an underdog Big Twelve team, I personally don't think it's going to be Oak State, uh, Country Roads, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. They did beat Montgomery Van Order this week, unfortunately. Uh, Thoughts and prayers to Montgomery. I can't. I can't believe he started. By the way, I know. I know it's Youngstown State, but was our starting quarterback. I, I hate oh, kind of not not a fan of him, but I do love Montgomery Van Water more than most quarterbacks, including ours right now. Uh, and so, you know, looking at the college football playoff, there is a debate whether they should move to more teams. I don't know how I feel about that. I thought about that a lot today uh, on the train. And if you move to an 18 playoff, are you losing some of those ball games? I just want to know what your thoughts are. Should we expand to a larger playoff system? Just screw up the whole bowl system and just have every bowl eligible team play for a national championship? That'd be um, I, I was kind of along that argument for a while. Um, I like the idea of having eight. But uh, there's an argument made by Joel Klatt. Um, he's a pretty, pretty good analyst, I think, where – if you have eight, you have more spots than you have power five conferences. And then that kind of removes a little bit of the competition and the, the 
the need to schedule at a conference more. So um, I'm not sure. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the situation. Um, games will still matter, but there is a fun part of it where one of the big five conferences, if not two or three, depending on you know how Notre Dame does, right? Notre Dame and the Pac-12 pretty much go hand in hand. Only one of them are getting in. So I, I kind of like that. An eight seed, absolutely. Um, so I see both sides to it. Awesome. So, you know, with that, uh, I definitely think the playoffs going to be interesting in week two. Uh, we can't be predicting what the college football playoffs are going to look like. Uh, I have a quick Dylan. thought on that, by the way. Okay. But follow Dylan on Twitter for all your college football playoff needs. He is the mathematician of the group. Yeah. Rain man. Um, if if I were to have the perfect system, it would be six teams. Uh, you represent each of the power five, and then you get a, pl- a play-in bid. That way you have uh, four teams going at it for a, a quote-unquote quarterfinal. Um, top two teams get a first round bye, and then from there you have your final four and then championship. I like that, and that would incorporate you know all the major bowls uh, that we see. Um, and then you even look at the bowl season. I'm not saying there's too many bowl games. Give me more bowl games. The the Camellia Bowl or whatever in the Bahamas is awesome. Yeah. I love the Detroit Bowl. I love all the bowl, bowl games. Just give me uh, meaningful ones. I mean, yeah. you could even stretch it out. Think yeah. January. January, you're stretching to the second week of January anywhere. January anyway. But move it in line with the NFL playoff. You know, just, just add on games. More games of college football, the better for us. That's my take. Anyone else? Boner? I guess. I like four for now. I'd keep it at four right now. I think uh, – Maybe eight eventually, but four works because, I don't know, as a Notre Dame fan, I think if they go like, they go up 11 and one most years they're in, maybe not like this year, they probably have to go undefeated, but, and I, and I think purely from a standpoint of like, no, that's about how it would be just for the sport. So I, I think four works for right now. They can maybe eventually move it to eight. There haven't been really any. I'm trying to think. Have there been any, any like major, major controversies of teams that have been left out that like for sure? sure. Well, well, there has been. In, that was the Ohio State team who got its doors blown off to Vatech. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, but, you know, other yeah, than that. It's been clear most years, yeah. I think maybe like one or two years. It's really hard to remember off the top of my head. Maybe one or two, a little bit of a controversy. But I think people forget, too, how bad the BCS, like, formula system. Oh, we've lost him. Oh, no. Well, Joe's a goner. All right, last topic. Hopefully Joe will uh, come to life again for us. Uh, Joe, we missed the whole last part of your point there. If you'd like to try to make it again. No, he's he's gone. Guys, we've lost him. All right. Well, we got Vanderbilt. Uh, Derek Mason, he says that they're not afraid of Notre Dame. They're not afraid of coming in uh, to Notre Dame Stadium and playing the Irish. Right now, Notre Dame is a 14.5-point favorite over under set of 53. Uh, they have played before, 95, 96, 
with Ron Palace, Lou Holtz, and Coach Autry Denson. Uh, Notre Dame is 2-0 against Vanderbilt, 41-0 in 95 at home, and they eked out a 14-7 win in 96. Okay, so thoughts on Vanderbilt? Thoughts on Vanderbilt. Um, Sorry, we were having some cat issues. They want to be fed. It's a whole thing. Cat's got to eat. You guys I'm here. My thoughts on Vanderbilt no. is that they're a nerd SEC school with ridiculously hot girls, and it's a basketball school at best. So just take care of business for the love of God. No funny business. Brandon, run the read option. There's no reason why we can't run for 200 yards every single game. Just just play our game. There's no no more time for monkeying around. Just bury teams. Put them away, for Christ's sake. Just cut the shit. Steve, any last words? <laughs> it's just, it's just pure disgust. It's just, I, I feel like I've, I'm serving a life sentence here, and I just, I don't. Every time I see the light of day, the friggin' guards catch me and throw me back into my cell. That well, that's a poignant point to make about Notre Dame and Vanderbilt. Dylan, what do you think about the game? Well, I'll tell you a story. When I was a young lad. Uh, living in the igloo next to Chase Claypool. He once told me a story while we were having Tim Hortons. He said that he was going to beat Vanderbilt single-handedly by about 15 touchdowns. So we had some Molson Canadian. We shot a few moose. And then I told everyone to cover. Notre Dame is Irish. I'm going to say 38-13. Well, there you have it. Dylan heard it first from his neighbor, Chase Claypool, the Irish cover, the Irish win. Uh, really, this has been a hell of a podcast. Joe has come on. He has left. He's made one point, and he's left. Uh, so we're going to end it here. Um, I think the Irish are going to win. Uh, Derek Mason is not ready for a pissed-off Notre Dame team. Um, that's all I got this week. Be sure to tune in. Uh, follow us. All things on Twitter. You all know who we are. And go Irish. Go Irish. Go Irish.